Hello, you lovely lot. Welcome to the Football Ramble. It's clear and obvious there aren't many factual decisions in football. It's Tuesday, the 8th of December. I'm Jules Breach. I'm Andy Brassel. And I'm Hulk Donaldson. Yeah, before we get stuck into VAR, once again, I feel like we're repeating ourselves, but there is some big news, ladies and gents, huge news. Put your seatbelts on. Pete Donaldson is hitting the road. Yes. Oh, I've God. got my scooter registered, Jules. <laughs> oh, no. I, I, I cannot stress this enough. Icy roads. Pete Donaldson out on the roads. <laughs> it's going to be a terrible Christmas for several families in the Hertfordshire area. <laughs> Why in winter has have you chosen this to be the It took me that bloody long to get it on the roads. The insurance. <laughs> I can't insure it until I've got registration. Can't get a registration until I've got an insurance. I was caught in no man's land. But luckily, <laughs> the good people of the DVLA in Swansea sorted me right out, and I am very... Very happy I can now go to Tesco's. <laughs> well, you see, recently, of course, we've been paying tribute to the late, great Diego Maradona. Mm. And it made me think of when I went to Naples, there were loads of Vespers mm. with like sort of pictures of Diego on and all that mm. sort of stuff. Yeah. What, what have you got on your, on your Vesper? A big <laughs> Newcastle Shelby? United crest? Yeah. Andy Carroll? Just a big learner plate. <laughs> and scratches. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of scratches and burns. Yeah, I mean, it, look, if I can be as half as careful with my uh, moped driving the, the people, the good people of Naples, uh, I'll be all right, I think, <laughs> because they are nightmarish. That, that, was, that was the only time in Naples that I've been genuinely scared for my life in a taxi. <laughs> I mean, the taxis drive so quickly through this windy, kind of up and down cobbled streets. It's incredible. I don't know how they managed to do it in between all of the mopeds. Well, the, our, our guy was a very skilled driver because yeah. he didn't once look at the road whilst he was, <laughs> he was driving. He was just turned around speaking to us. Cool. Nice. I'm actually totally with you, Andy. Uh, it is not, it does not feel safe on the roads out there, does no. it? And, and we, we debated when, when I went to um, Sorrento last year, all mm. oh, the days when we could go on holiday, uh, whether or not to, to get a car and actually drive ourselves around. I'm actually really glad we didn't because <laughs> honestly, I, I was terrified terrified in between naples and sorrento there's that tunnel that goes on for about 15 days it's, it's <laughs> insane <laughs> and, and if you've watched back to the future you'll know that if you go through a tunnel that long you are going to get a load of shit dumped on you at the end of it <laughs> exactly <laughs> talking about uh shit being dumped onto the end of it um <laughs> yes yes that is why v- Jules gets the big money come on <laughs> var <laughs> Ruining a game at the Amex yet again. Um, I think it's probably the place we have to start with the match at the Amex last night. Uh, Finished a 2-1 win to Southampton. Um, A penalty being awarded. It was around the 81st minute. Um, I'm sure you've seen it if you're listening to this now. But if not, let me explain what happened. Uh, Walker Peters running towards the box with the ball. Solly March fouls him outside of the box. The foul sort of carries on through into the box. The referee points uh, to a free kick for Southampton. And then VAR takes a look at it and decides that actually there was enough contact in the box that despite the fact that there was a foul outside of the box, it was in fact a penalty. Right, Let's see what you guys think about this, Andy. 
it, it's very inconclusive, isn't it? I, I, I mean, I, I must have watched it a fair few times, and to, to the extent where I think it's the only thing that I can actually remember from the match. <laughs> and I, I think it's absolutely Im, Im, impossible to tell, even with the the amount of replays we have. I, I think it's I think it's quite difficult to tell, and so it, it must be a, a, a little bit infuriating. I'm interested to know though. Now we've finally got fans back inside the stadium. I'd be really interested to hear from any Ramblers who've who've been to a Premier League game in this in in this last couple of days. Mm. You know, we've we've been subject to annoying VAR decisions from the comfort of our own homes what's it like being back in stadiums <laughs> in december because this was always for me the worst bit of var that is such an unedifying experience yeah. for the spectators in the stadium mm. now you're back there have you like waited like nine months to get in and if you're a brighton th- fan think oh that's shit maybe i won't well, go again <laughs> yeah I, my mate was actually there last night and he right. texted me at the time saying what what happened? Like what what was yeah, going on exactly. there? Yeah, mm. exactly. Because I like I couldn't see it from my seat. Um, was it a foul? Was the first thing he asked me. He said looked like a foul. Was it in the box? Was it outside? Now, at the time in the game, whenever you see a referee pointing to his ear and saying VAR, you know, checking something, the longer that check goes on, the more you think to yourself, okay, well it it's going to be a penalty then. So there was no doubt in my mind that. They were going to give a penalty, but actually, when you look at the the sit the, the the scenario over and over again, as you've pointed out, Andy, it wasn't very clear. I, Ralph Hasenhutel said after the game, it was clear. I'm not sure what he's looking at to see that that is completely clear that it's a penalty. I think that obviously I'm going to be annoyed because I'm a Brighton fan, but in any situation with VAR from what we've seen this season is that there is just no consistency. Solly March said that after the game. It feels like they're just random decisions. And I'm I'm totally with him on that. We've had some go for us. We've had some go against us. And it's going to happen to every team in the Premier League this season. I'm not just annoyed because I'm a Brighton fan. I'm annoyed for every football fan when it comes to these decisions not being made consistently. And, And especially with one like that, The reason apparently that's been given by the PGMOL is that it's a factual decision whether it's inside the box or outside the box. I understand that. Is it though? But it's it's one of those things where you sort of go, no matter how many times you look at that, I don't think you can really conclusively. So that's why referees' decisions are you say, yes, it was a penalty or yes, it was a foul, but it was outside the box. Like, a decision has to be made, but the more you look at it, the more difficult it gets for anybody. Yeah, Referee people down 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 at the park. I I found that it was like down at the two, park. Down the park <laughs> when when uh, when um, when two uh, cartoon characters um, have a fight and they just turn into like a whirlwind and arms are coming out <laughs> and stuff and they, and the whirlwind moves around. It just looked like that. I just I could not tell where the yeah, foul had started. Same. It was just a bit of a mess, really. I, I felt really, I felt really sorry for anybody trying to trying to untangle that mess. But the way VAR was sold in in the first place, it mm. was about facts. It was about accuracy. Yeah. I don't really feel that this falls under that at no. all. And and especially how long. It, and and with decisions like that, it just takes a bloody long time for them to to get it right. I, I thought well. I thought the whole point was that in in a situation like that, if the referee gives a free kick. And then you can see from the replay clearly that it's in the area. Mm. Then you say, "Look, look, mate, you've made a mess of it. Just change your decision." Mm. Uh, but, but, but no, that's not the case. No, 
It's to, to make you freeze half to death on a Monday night on the South Coast. It's just, it's just <laughs> I, re- I really want to, I'd want to know that they're definitely communicating with the park and they're not listening to a podcast. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm listening to Serial. Adnan Syed. She's she never gone down for it. <laughs> <laughs> I think a good point that was made in the post-match coverage by Jamie Carragher was it would actually help if we could hear the conversation that they're having. Mm. What do you think about that? I mean, it just sounds of like papers and going, "What? What? what? <laughs> ah, ah, Steve, <laughs> unplug your phone. <laughs> Screen's gone off. You charging your iPad again? <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I think I think that's right, but it's it's a cultural thing, isn't it, Jules? Because um, English referees are not used to communicating or justifying their decisions. Now, obviously, when you're talking about or Jamie Carragher's talking about hearing it, that's, I guess, thinking of like rugby or mm. NFL or, or, or something like that. Um, to, to be honest, I'm not too sure how that necessarily applies to football. But culturally, we're so far away from that. Mm. Because, for example, in, in the Bundesliga, if, if there's a contentious decision, the referee will come out and explain it afterwards. Yeah. But we're not even there. No. So we're not going to be at the point where th- th- there's a sort of... That, that sort of transparency in the decision-making but I, process. I, I'll tell you precisely why it is, though. Every single Premier League level referee here in England, they all have ridiculous voices. <laughs> they all, Martin Atkinson, very high voice. Michael Oliver, very high voice. Mike Dean, ridiculously high voice. They've all got helium-level voices, and they don't want anyone to know. Is that not because they're excited? <laughs> very excited. People say that about commentators, don't they? <laughs> yes. when, when, they when they reach the goal pitch. Yeah, oh, beautiful. Lovely. Of a Neville. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it was another penalty. And of Mm. course, with Danny Ings returning for Southampton, he came on at half time for them. Um, (laughs) There was no no other way this was going to go. Dude, you look crestfallen. Absolutely crestfallen. It's just just another game, Pete, where Brighton, you know, look, to be fair, I think. On balance, at the full-time whistle, it was fairly even. So I think a draw for both sides would have been what would have felt right. But you don't always get the decisions you feel, or you don't usually get the results that you feel like you should in in matches. Mm. That's just how football is, and that's fair enough. You know, I can I can take it on the chin. It's just just annoying, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> it's just my chin so is annoying. <laughs> it's just so annoying. Um, you need all the luck you pre- can. You need all the luck you can get, really, don't you? Against yeah. a goal of the month's Southampton. <laughs> uh, of course, oh. two two of the six uh, match of the day goal of the month finalists were uh, Southampton. So oh, how do, how do you resist impressive. that? Or, not at all if you're Villa because they conceded three of the goal of the month, didn't they? <laughs> oh. You see, yeah. uh, ex- exactly. I always found that quite a source of pride, like yeah. the, the the idea that oh, you have to score a blockbuster to beat us, baby. <laughs> Takes two to tango when it comes to legendary goals. Fantastic, yes. yeah. Yeah, I mean, say we've talked about Southampton and just how good they've been this season and there's been a couple of games lately where, yes, they've been good for spells and then you look at the, the United game last week and the fact that they were 2-0 up and ended up losing 3-2 and you could see that they've also got it in them to just sort of crumble away a little bit. But last night, just again, it was it was I thought it was a really good game actually, and I, mm. I'm going to say that because I'm a Brighton fan and I enjoyed watching it. But disp- until the 81st minute, should I say? Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's just another another good result for Southampton. They're fifth in the table now, 12 points better off 
than at this stage last season. I mean, I feel like it's contractual that we we mentioned the 9-0. <laughs> uh, but since then, it's just, it's crazy how well they've done and how well they continue to do. And I think really, if if you look at that squad of players, it's not a phenomenal squad by any stretch mm. of the imagination. It's, it's kind of, I guess what I was saying about David Moyes at West Ham recently, that you have to give him an enormous amount of credit because West Ham were a squad full of talent, but a really unbalanced squad and players who are really underachieving. And of, of course, he's he's done well with a, a, a couple of signings, but I think you look at the coaching that has gone into the players to actually make them better. I think we sometimes, because we're so excited about the transfer window, we can almost forget that that's possible. But I think Southampton are another very good example of that. You know, players who've been coached to be better than they previously mm. were. Because we, we have a handle on most players, you know. He's either good, average, or, you know, people do say it, even about Premier League players, which is absolutely ridiculous, or rubbish. But the idea that you can go in there actually work with individuals as well as the collective and, and make them that bit better. And I think there's evidence of that all over the Southampton squad from, from Haas mm. and Hootel. When you, when you lose uh, Ings out of your side, is it uh, not just, it, 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 it's such a big loss, mm. it, not just simply because Ings is a very good footballer, just because he's a player who knows how to play to his system, presumably. Mm. Is, that, is that the case? Yeah. And you know what? He scored that penalty. We talked about the, the, the controversy over the penalty. He buried that in such a heartless <laughs> way, <laughs> didn't he? No, no, honestly, no one is saving that penalty. No. <laughs> it's absolutely brilliant. Um, so aside from the fact that the result didn't go Brighton's way, it was lovely to see fans back at the Amex. Mm. Um, I got I got a little bit emotional, actually. It was really Aww. nice at the start, just seeing fans back there after all this time. The first time, I mean, we did have that, that test run against Chelsea just before the season began. So it's the first time since then that we've seen fans back in the stadium. It was just, it was just lovely. And I was sat there watching the game and quite early on, I think it was about sort of like, maybe like five minutes into the game, I heard a fan go, come on, Solly, like that. And I went, yeah. And I was sat on the sofa, I went, yeah, come on, Solly. I went, isn't that lovely? Just hearing the real fans screaming. And then Paul, my other half, pointed out that we were actually watching it on main event and it was a fake crowd noise. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Brilliant. oh no. Well, we, so then we we Solly went, yeah, I will come on. Oh no. <laughs> we, we know that that's fake because you can't call him Solly. You have to call him Solly March the yeah. whole time, don't exactly. you? You have to say his full name. It's like Sully Montari. Honestly. You can't just have Montari, can you? Exactly. <laughs> I was so embarrassed. I was getting emotional over fake crowd noise. <laughs> and then we, we, switch, we switched over and put it on the real crowd noise and it was like, pretty quiet. Paul was, Paul then you said turned to me, FIFA went, on and was tears. Yeah. He went to me, do you think 2,000 fans are making that much noise? And I was like, yes. <laughs> that's, that's how fooled I've been. It's the by famous Amex Raw. Yeah. <laughs> I know, but there you go. Love, lovely to have the fans back, uh, despite the fact that uh, we still have no idea what happens with VAR when we're in a stadium. I'm sure we'll get there mm. eventually. Um, right, let's get on to something else that happened yesterday. The 2022 World Cup qualifiers have been announced. Um, I actually forgot that there was a World Cup coming because all I've been focusing on is the fact that the Euros has obviously been pushed back until next year. And it kind of feels weird to already be talking about the World Cup, when we're still sort of talking about the Euros <laughs> come, I, I don't even know. Yeah. I, I, to be honest, Pete, I was like, World Cup qualifiers? I was like, what? 
Can we just get? Can we just deal with the alligator closest to the canoe, please? Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I'm. Can we just? Because you know, we haven't done the one tournament first. It's. I know. What I love about. Have you seen the new logo for for, for the World Cup? It's that beautiful oh, shawl. It's like a shawl in the. Uh, it, it's the shawl that uh, presumably women wear in the winter months in in Qatar, and it's this beautiful kind of shawl in the in a kind of um, a, t- a kind of figure of eight in the shape of the World Cup. Uh, uh, um, what do you call it? Trophy. <laughs> is, is, is that like a step on from the Russia one, which is, is kind of similar, wasn't it? It kind yeah. of looked like, like sort of, you know, some hidden gold was melting <laughs> or something. But apparently the, the mascot is going to be released and revealed uh, before the end of this year. Really? Because I've always loved the world. Since Italian 90s, weird kind of stickle brick kind of uh, uh, creation. I, I've always been obsessed with the, with the old mascots. Yeah, you know, when I went to the Euro Under-21 Championship final, I guess it must have been last year now, mm. um, they've just refitted out the toilets at the Udinese Stadium. Oh, lovely. And they've done it in a <laughs> retro style. They've tiled it with the Italia 90 mascot. I like that. Very good. Very much. Hey. I didn't know that you like mascots for World Cups so much. I've mm. actually got one of the little teddies from the Russia World Cup. Oh, if you want it. mate! Do you want it? Can we, you can can we stick put that it in onto the your moped if you like? Yes, please. Zabivaka. <laughs> that's what that's what he's called. Zabivaka. Zabivaka. Yeah, he's like, he's like a mini celebrity in our house because <laughs> you know they're very much of that age. Yeah. My, my, my children, where they're like World Cup teds, they've, <laughs> they've each got a Zabivaka hat as well. <laughs> I love it. Which uh, yeah. Aww. I look forward to Good the for Bedouin we- bear that we're going to be getting. <laughs> <laughs> isn't, it, isn't it terrifying when you see like a massive lorry and it's just got a teddy stuck to the front of it? Yeah, it's like it's like we've killed this. <laughs> we've killed this it's like, teddy. It's like Mad Max, isn't it? It's horrible. It's always dirty. Road accident stick, in Alaska. <laughs> yes. Stick the Russian mascot onto your moped, Pete. That'll be a good look. <laughs> um, oh, so the groups then, what do we reckon about England? Uh, so they've got their group I, um, England, Poland, the biggest opponents mm. in the group, Hungary, Albania, Andorra, and of course, San Marino. Of course, it had to be. Uh, but for England, Poland, so it's going to be tough, isn't it, Andy? Kane versus Lewandowski is what it is yeah. all about. It's, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be exciting. Delicious. And bear in mind that Lewandowski has been getting better and better and better in his 30s, partly because of... now, is he? Coming up. So <laughs> partly because of his nutritionist wife, partly right. because he's not in a sulk about going to Real Madrid anymore. Mm. But he's got this whole leadership role, both for Poland, because the previous coach didn't really treat him as a star player, Adam Navalka. Mm. He just said, well, you know, it's, it's great that he puts in an effort for the team. He's like, but he's your best player. You have to, <laughs> you have to provide for him. And, and they, never, they never really got that. He never really got his head around that. So, um, you know, he, he, scored, um, he's, he's, he scored a decent amount of goals for Poland recently. Um, like, obviously, he's on fire for, for Bayern as, as well. In 10 or something crazy like that? It's, it's unreal. It's absolutely unreal. Like and and wow. he's getting better and better. So mm. by the time March arrives, I mean... Maybe it'll be even better because he's getting incrementally better and better all the all the time into his thirties. I, I feel that can happen with centre forwards nowadays. Mm. With with nutritionist with, wives, uh, with nutritionist <laughs> wives, with nutritionist exactly. Wives. With the, with the with the right diet and all that that sort of mm. stuff, and the fact that he feels settled and he feels valued, I, I think that's really important. Mm. Um, but you look at that group, and Hungary, of course, have, have, have qualified for the Euros as as well. Um, I mean, yeah, it should be really straightforward for England. I don't think there's there's any doubt about that. But there's a few pitfalls. Uh, th- th- there are, because I think you're looking at um, improved Poland, improved Hungary. And the fact that 
just because, as you were saying, Jules, we haven't quite got our heads around it. The fact that these games are going to happen between March and November next year, that is a lot of international games to play. I mean, if you look at that international window in March, they've got to play the first three qualifiers all in that window. Mm. So there's presumably going to be some inconsistency. There's presumably going to be some clubs putting pressure on some of the players to skip internationals if that happened. Obviously, Mm. it doesn't happen, but if it happened, that might happen. So Mm. I I think that there's going to be a level of unpredictability in these qualifiers that maybe we might not initially expect. Do you reckon that Scotland have got a better group than than, than England? I would say probably definitely, even though... Definitely, yeah. Austria are a good side, but you sort of go, uh, you know, Scotland know everything they could possibly know about Israel because they play them every five minutes. But uh, d- you <laughs> would actually be crying when you saw Israel again, wouldn't you? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Too much. But I mean, look, I mean, they're not going to, probably not going to top the group, but Kate, Kate Mason's Faroe second. Islands. Yes, indeed. Come on. Indeed. Yeah, absolutely. Um, for Wales, they're in Group E with Belgium, Czech Republic, Belarus, and Estonia. That's going to be pretty tough Mm. for Wales you'd you'd imagine especially playing even though they've already knocked out uh well they they knocked out Belgium in the quarterfinals of Euro 2016 so they have got previous but that was that was four years ago and this Belgium side have come along quite a bit since then haven't they and Wales can play with some freedom as well because they've got the fallback of having won the Nations League group so they're guaranteed a playoff at at the very least so they're in they're in a good spot Mm. I feel sorry for Northern Ireland because, you know, they weren't a million miles away from qualifying for, for, for the Euros. They were brilliant in the semis against Bosnia. Mm. And now they're in this group with Italy, Switzerland, Bulgaria and Lithuania. You just think that is a climb. That is going to be that is going to yeah. be really difficult. <laughs> That's grinding out nil nils <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> yeah, so, Andy, in, ter- in terms of qualifying, is it the top two that go through, yes. or is it the the top two and then third places in a playoff? No, um, nations uh, nations league winners get a playoff, or if those nations league winners are qualified already, the next one down in their in their group. Right, got it. So 2022 World Cup, that's uh, obviously a couple of years away now, but it's going to be quite a different World Cup. We're going to be playing it in the winter. How are you feeling about this now, Pete? You got your head around it a bit? Uh, not really. I'm just, I mean, I'm, I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to, I mean, what's, I mean, it's going to be like the, the, the food's presumably going to be amazing. The, 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 the music is like that kind of Qatari <laughs> folk music all about purling. Remember, like most like Qatari folk music is all about collecting pearls and how difficult it is to collect pearls. And like, how much can you sing about collecting pearls? They're in the sea. Grab them. Come back with them. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, we've got it all to look forward to. And a Christmas off, which I will bang on about every single time we talk about the 2022 World Cup. It means that as people who work in football will actually have a Christmas off no. for the first time ever. All right, let's move on now. Uh, Pete, you've got something a little bit tasty for us. <laughs> I'm not sure about that. <laughs> let's do this. I prefer to kill him. I prefer to kill him. <laughs> it's time for Portmanteo. Portmantonio Conte. Portmantonio Conte. Uh, the, day, uh, the game is called Portmantonio Conte, and the rules are very simple. I've got two clues pertaining to two footballers whose names have been joined together. You guys just need to guess who they are. I'm going to give you an example. 
banned from driving after being caught driving six miles over the speed limit after a stressful meeting with Mike Ashley. I was shot and killed by a bodyguard from a Colombian drug cartel. That is, of course, Kevin Keegan-Andres Escobar. And, uh, that is a to... niche clue um... for Keegan. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's so much... Who else is going to have an emotional meeting with Mike Ashley? Literally every manager who's ever managed under him, correct? Um, so, Jules, you, you, it's the first time you're going to be playing this. Two players become one. Do you understand how this works? I uh, think so, Cameron yeah. Cameron Sonny Pike? Philippe Alberti Vox? That sort of thing. Yep. Yes. Uh, so I'm not going to repeat the clues. I'm not going to give you further clues. Your time starts as soon as I say go. And then when you hear Kevin De Bruyne, uh, your time is de over. Are we clear? We are clear. Wait, so is this it's just me? It's you, just me and, you and Andy. Okay, So both you shout right. out as soon as you know the answer. But as soon as we hear Kevin De Bruyne, it's game over, babies. Okay, right. right got it. Cool. Um, right. Your clue. Born in Portsmouth, and I've played for Vitesse, Derby, and now play for Chelsea. While playing for Wrexham, I laundered money through the youth players. I want to say Mason Mount Tiki Thomas. <laughs> I don't know the rules anymore, honestly. <laughs> That's not correct, is it? You got the right players, but you got them the wrong way around. Oh, really? Tiki Tom, Mason Mount. Oh, no! Oh, oh. You put them in the wrong order. You've got, you've, got them. Oh, I've got to order them. Do I though? Yes. I thought you'd just you've know which way to, to put him, them. Pete. Oh, Donnie. <laughs> you've got to give it to him. Oh, Jules, I'm this so... is a disgrace. <laughs> <laughs> Jules, I'm so... I have... it's... I've never seen him so disappointed. I've never <laughs> seen that. And I, oh man, I feel so bad. Oh. <laughs> Look at him, he's absolutely, he's absolutely raging. I don't think he can continue. <laughs> he's doing a Didier drug but it's a fucking disgrace. He's eyeballing me. <laughs> you know, Andy, I'm going to give you that because you're right. I did get the uh, the clues in the around the wrong way around. Not thinking <laughs> you would that you would um, stick to the rules. And thank thank you for that. Did you enjoy that, Jules? <laughs> I I did enjoy that mainly because I got to see a very angry Andy Russell. <laughs> I just didn't think he had that competitive streak. In, but he does. He does. Of course he does. What, what was the what does. was it? Mason Mount. Mason Mount Tiki Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> I think I like that better. He's the new um, mascot for the World Cup. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely stuff. All right. On that note, let's take a break. Welcome back. You're listening to the Football Ramble with me, Jules, Andy Brassel and Pete Donaldson. And now it's time for this. Yes, make sure you get in touch. Email show at footballramble.com or send us a tweet on Twitter at footballramble. Pete, what we got? Uh, we've got one from Rob McKellar. Growing up in Bournemouth. This is all about uh, ropey dad behaviour at football matches, by the way. Uh, growing up in Bournemouth, I used to frequent Dean Court to watch the Mighty Cherries, who for a big part of the 90s were absolute trash. 50p for a cushion to sit on as the seats were bare wood. <laughs> Eddie Howe, a glamorous centre-back. That sort of thing. That sounds well, quite nice. That's, that's good enough yeah. for me, man, you know, <laughs> sitting on a little cushion on the yeah. seat. Is that, yeah. Is that what they do? It's 
a big part of the Sans Hero experience. I like that a lot. Yeah. Uh, really? My dad and I devised our own commentary to liven up another dower draw with his favourite being come if the hour, come if the man, insert name of player, whenever AFCV had a corner. <laughs> big Steve Fletcher being a favourite name. Please Google to see how small his shirt looked on him. Skin tight before the rugby players did it. Um, my uncle, by contrast, had season tickets at Stamford Bridge, so as an impressionable kid, I went up to London to watch games with him and probably became a Chelsea fan. Oh, disappointing, isn't it, for, for the other... <laughs> Other relations. Uh, the midweek Champions League games of the era being a particular thrill. My dad and I somehow got my uncle's tickets to the infamous 4-2 Barcelona uh, game up after we drove after school uh, to watch one of the best games I've ever seen. Completely caught up in the moment. Two country bumpkins in the big city. A corner came in and my dad shouted, Come off the hour! Come off the man! John Terry! <laughs> About a second oh before JT scored the fourth goal. Cavallo uh, dragging Valdez to the floor as he did so. <laughs> my dad was absolutely mobbed by surrounding fans in the celebrations and for the the rest of the game was turned to as some kind of clairvoyant whenever we had a set piece. Needless to say, he dined out on this for years. Dad behaviour. Good dad behaviour. Marvellous. That's a good bit of detail that you added there, Pete. I mean, mm. really, it's like the dad was Victor Valdez and the other Chelsea <laughs> fans were Ricardo Cavalli. Yeah. Indeed. <laughs> nice. Um, there's also one from Stephen Carter Woodhead uh, who says, Hello, Ramblers. After hearing your request for dad behaviours at football, I thought I'd share a story from a friend's dad who supports Huddersfield. After an away match, which saw multiple diving incidents by the slugs that are Arsenal <laughs> at the Emirates, <laughs> my friend's dad decided enough was enough and was going to make an example of the Gunner squad at the reverse fixture. Every home match, he'd be at the players' entrance signature hunting and welcoming players to the ground, which is top-tier dad behaviour in itself. But he then stepped up his dadness for this match, turning up to greet the Arsenal squad in a swimming cap and swimming goggles and operating the team when they walked off the bus. He then made his way to the front of the signing section of the ground, right next to where the Arsenal players were scheduled to do their warm-up, still wearing the full swimming outfit, he commandeered a megaphone from the singing section and gave the away team a piece of his mind about their previous diving antics for the full hour-long pre-match warm-up, hoping to give Huddersfield the mental edge. We lost the game 2-1. Uh, this was made all the more hilarious that his 17-year-old son was in the stand next to him looking slightly embarrassed with his friends mocking him for the rest of the season for his dad's performance. This this is the sort of story that sounds made up. You see, I... <laughs> You what? see men like that, though, don't you? You see men doing that <laughs> with do. their little signs and the silly things they think they've thought in their head that's cool. I don't. I don't think this is dad behaviour though, because right. the the whole experience of you know rem remember when you were a teenager. Mm. Everyone always says, oh, your dad's a great laugh. He's really cool. And you go, no, he's not. He's a dickhead. <laughs> and that's the thing. It's, it's, it shouldn't be the case that everyone thinks your dad's a dickhead. Uh, yeah, no, yeah, I, I, I mean, Jules, I, I don't know about you, but nobody ever thought my dad was cool. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? I've, I've, I go to the football quite a lot with my dad. And I was just thinking, I was trying to think of a story of my dad doing something really like, loserish at a game and he's not he's not my dad's actually pretty cool oh well that's nice Come on, dad my my dad my the own my dad hates football so the only um experience he's had at football was him taking me to our first match at st james's park me and a guy me and a kid called fraggle um <laughs> <laughs> and we went, uh, it was against aston villa uh, uh peter beasley whipping it in for les fernand to whack it in at the header it in at the um far post what a goal and uh uh, yeah, he 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 lost us for for a long time. He didn't realise what forty thousand people looked like <laughs> coming out of a football ground. He just thought I'll find I'll find them. 
He didn't find us for ages. He just went to the pub for a couple of hours. He'd had a, he'd had a skin full, couldn't find us, <laughs> and genuinely thought he'd lost to someone else's kid. And perhaps more pertinently, his kid. So, yeah. <laughs> so oh I'm glad God. he's not allowed in the ground. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant stuff, Andy. You've you've got it all to look forward to when your when yeah. your boys start thinking, "Oh, my dad's my dad's not very cool, is he?" <laughs> I don't I'll think that's a cardboard dad. Oh, love it! All right. Um, now there's been a story this week that I absolutely loved from Serie A. The Bologna manager Sinisa Mihailovic um, is suspecting that one of his players is leaking the team news to the press. I love it. Uh, He's now changed his tactics in training to try and catch the little slug out. Uh, I loved his quote. This is what he said. He said, I only tried out a new formation to find out who the fuck is talking to journalists. I did it on purpose because no one was expecting it. So now I'm investigating. I'm not actually thinking of changing the tactical setup. No, no. There's someone on the inside who's talking and I promise I'll I'll find him. <laughs> when I find him, things will get ugly. Chilling. This Absolutely is, chilling. This is horrific. I mean, don't a... do it before Inter. <laughs> Just don't change your yeah, exactly. before Inter. That's a wasted day. Yeah, they lost 3-1, didn't they? <laughs> he's a terrifying bloke at the best of times. Yeah. I, I would be reading this and thinking, but th- this sort of level of intrigue to like catch the perpetrator... I mean, uh, one, it's good to know he's not paranoid. He is paranoid. <laughs> B- but it's, it's also, I th- this is Wagatha Christie level, isn't oh, it? Oh, yeah. It's oh Rebecca Vardy all yes. over, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Yes. I thought the way that she worded that Instagram post where it seemed like it had gone through a few legal legal changes, haven't we? Like, it was clearly a very yeah. carefully written Instagram p- uh, post. And obviously, um, it looks like um, it looks like it's not going great for her, but wow. She's got the money. It's all about the she social was... media wins, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but I would not mess with Sinisa uh, Mihailovic. He's got a, he, he wears a lot of, like, Peaky Blinders caps, which is very enjoyable. He, he, he defeated leukaemia last year, didn't he? Like, he checked into a hospital. He did. He checked into a hospital under a, under a fake name. And just saw leukemia off. I would not be leaking anything to the press. He, he was he was still coming to he was still coming and coaching most of the games during yeah. that period as well. Wild, Absolutely double hard, wild, madness. Mm. Um, by the way, j- just on Colleen and um, old Rebecca Vardy, um, I <laughs> I do love a ladies' magazine, a gossip mag, and um, Jules has ladies' magazines. <laughs> I love them too, Jules. <laughs> Do you like ladies' magazines, Pete? Um, they're, 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 they're basically saying that um, Colleen's got the backing of the other wags, and the headline in Heat this week was the wag mafia's warning to Rebecca Vardy. I love, I love this idea that there's a wag mafia. It's good to know she's not lost the dressing room after one defeat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Lovely. Oh, love it. Um, right, Dortmund. This is this is something that I totally missed, Andy, until you brought it to my attention. A bit of a left-field partnership with SpongeBob SquarePants. <laughs> Tell me about this. Yeah, well, um, they've got a partnership with Nickelodeon. And the first part of that partnership with Nickelodeon is that they're doing a collaboration with SpongeBob SquarePants, which obviously involves um, Dortmund SpongeBob like T-shirts mm. and all that sort of stuff. It also enjoy it. It, it also has a very um, enjoyable video in which Dan Axel Zagadou, their big central defender, is dancing with SpongeBob. Come on, now if you can't enjoy Brilliant. that, if 
<laughs> I want to find every... I think this is a, bit, a really good kind of like idiot detector on, on Twitter. If anyone's got a problem with that, they, they have to move away. <laughs> <laughs> they have to live on an island with all the other idiots because this is joyous. It's, it's the ultimate as, nonsense as, as well because you, you look at SpongeBob <laughs> and the amount of like yellow wearing teams that he could collaborate yeah. with. I mean, there's yeah. a very small number, and Dortmund are obviously the pinnacle. <laughs> so they've they've gone in big, yeah. and they have to make the, the most of this collab, I think. But <laughs> I, I bet Mishi Batswai is wishing he never left Dortmund because, of course, he had that quite success, successful loan spell there. Yeah. I mean, the thing that I always found amazing about that's why he was such a fan of SpongeBob SquarePants, or as they call him in French, Bob Leponge. Bob Leponge. Oh, <laughs> stop it! <laughs> <laughs> Surely they could handle SpongeBob SquarePants <laughs> or pantaloons. No, the, 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 the thing is, it just literally oh, means it. it means Bob the Sponge. Bob so, the sponge. So, so, so basically, basically they've gone. We're not having these SquarePants. <laughs> yeah, this why is they ludicrous. Not, what, what have they got against SquarePants? Pantsless square. <laughs> we are more elegant than that in Paris. <laughs> we would never do square pants in Paris uh, Fashion Week. I do not think so. So you know when you see the players like come in when they come off the team coach and they come in the players' entrance, mm. and they're all holding their Vuitton bags or they've got Vuitton rucksacks yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. For yeah. an admirably long time, and for all I know, he still does. That's why he used to come in with his SpongeBob SquarePants backpack on. So when he was at Marseille, when he arrived at Chelsea, <laughs> all of that, he stuck to it the whole way. I like and I that. Lo I love that. I That's like that. Great. There was a lad who had that Pornhub bag for quite a while, I seem to recall. Was there? No, yeah, there wasn't. I can't remember. I'll find, I'll find it who it was. But um, And then Pornhub, I think, sent him a lot of products. <laughs> and he just added to this collection, really. That's, <laughs> That's how it works. That's how it works. Oh, I love it. Brilliant <laughs> stuff. Um, right, let's move on. Champions League is back tonight. Manchester United need a point to go through. They're facing Leipzig. Um Sort of the headline heading into the game tonight is all this Paul Pogba news that seemed to come out in the last uh, 24 hours or so. His agent, Mino Raiola, has spoken and said that Paul Pogba is unhappy at Manchester United and he needs a change in order to reach his best. I mean, what what's he trying to achieve here? The, the timing's interesting, isn't it, Jules? But I think the thing yeah. to know always about Mino Raiola... He doesn't necessarily discuss this stuff with his clients mm. before sounding off. So I think saying that Pogba is trying to get a message out is a bit of an assumption, really. Because, mm. you know, you remember with Ibrahimovic, for example, where he, where he was at LA Galaxy, and he's like, why are you wasting your life playing in the MLS? <laughs> <laughs> so Raiola will say what he wants. It is interesting because there is a summer of decision for Pogba coming up. Um, there's a sense that maybe he's not as central to... Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's thinking as he once was and he's mm. never really been that central for Manchester United given that he arrived as the most expensive player in the world they've always just fit him in somewhere they've yeah. not really built the team around him now Solskjaer mm. pledged to do that and as maybe circumstances made him move away from that I think despite that goal at the weekend do you think they could continue to do pretty well and, and get better without Paul Pogba but I guess if he's not going to sign again that gives Manchester United a decision because they already tacked the extra year on his contract. But that means when we get to next yeah. summer, he's just got a year left. Mm. So they've, they've they've got to sell him if he's if he's not going to stay, right? Is, is Raiola just kind of just he's looking at a, a bit of stock that's kind of d returning diminishing amounts of yeah uh, maybe of, and and and, yeah. and and looking particularly in Man United's 
two biggest matches of the season, Leipzig and uh, and Man City in the next two matches. He may play a part, he may underwhelm, and Manchester United may find themselves uh, uh, on, on the other side of a of a pretty decent um, drumming uh, drumming on uh, on Man- Manchester City's side. But also they they could go out of 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 the, league, of the Champions League. So. Cavani, others are out. I, I think these are two really, really tricky fixtures for Manchester United, and I think he maybe he's just a bit worried. <laughs> he's just a bit worried that Paul Pogba is a variable that may underwhelm in the next two matches on a really, really big platform for the world to see. He could do with a big game in this mm. game against mm. Leipzig, couldn't he? I, I don't think yeah. there's any doubt about that, you guys. He, because he, uh, he was obviously very good in, in the second half in his last match, but the first half he was pretty, pretty atrocious at times. Well, they could, they could have been three 0 down by that point, yeah. couldn't they? Mm. Yeah. I think it's that that lack of consistency with Paul Pogba, especially with the type of player that we know he's all capable of that that seems to be sort of letting him down. But it'll be interesting to see whether he's in the starting 11 tonight for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Uh, Plenty more Champions League action later as well. Chelsea already through. They face Krasnodar. Um, It'll be interesting to see whether... Messi and Ronaldo face each other in Barcelona against Juventus in Group G. I don't reckon either of them will play. The group's <laughs> done, isn't it? There's all this big narrative about whether or not it's going to happen. I doubt it. Uh, but it'll be interesting if it does happen anyway. And uh, yeah, it's all to play for in Group H as well. Who will go through PSG, Leipzig or Manchester United? More on that on tomorrow's show. But before we go, Pete, just a little message from you. I'd like everyone to know that the I'd like everyone to know that the Atalanta midfield uh, Matteo Pessina was the uh, player uh, with uh, the Pornhub <laughs> bag. Uh, but perhaps more bag. importantly, if you enjoyed today's show, please uh, get involved and drop us a five star review. Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, it not only means a lot to us. I read it uh, nightly and uh, smile or frown depending on what the the, the reviews say. Uh, but it does help a lot of other listeners find the football ramble. And uh, just head on over to the review section of your podcast app. And chuck in five stars if you fancy. Write what you want, but definitely give us those five stars. <laughs> We're very much like uh, a mid-90s platformy uh, video game. We need the stars. We are star collectors. We, need it. <laughs> we love those five mm. stars. Uh, and yeah, be, be nice, please. Mm. Um, right. Thanks, guys. Uh, that's all from us on tomorrow's show. Andy, you're going to be back with Jim and Marcus to chat all those Champions League games and the rest of the football news but that's it from us today bye Pete bye 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 Andy bye and bye to you lovely listeners see you soon this was a Stakhanov production and part of the Acast Creative Network